You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Good morning. Good morning. Ah, yes. Somebody say the name Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say it louder. Jesus. Yeah, doesn't it just make you feel good? He's wonderful. He's so good. He's so kind to us. Um, before we get started this morning, uh, we're going to take however long it takes to do this, but we're going to go after this whole sickness thing. Um, I am, I'm about done with it. <laughs> Physically, myself, I've had both strains of the flu this season. I haven't had the flu since 1986, and I'm just really tired of people getting hit with it, and I know it's hit us really hard here, so... Um, but before we do that, we have a great testimony. You guys want to hear another testimony? Come on up, Trish. She was just telling me this in the back, and I thought, you know, this is really going to help us if we do this. What does yellow mean on this? It's muted. It's muted. Tap it once. Got it right. There we go. We just need somebody techie. All right. Wait a second. Wait a second. Everybody bless Trish really, really well. There you go. All right. There you go. So, um, thank you. Last night, um, the Lord spoke to me. Actually, I should start with, during the day, um, my husband and I were kafetching. That's a Yiddish word for complaining. <laughs> we were kind of complaining all day about how tired we were of being sick since um, New Year's. He's just been battling one cold and cough and sinus infection after the other. And since Martin Luther King Day, it's been the same thing with me. And we were just feeling discouraged and we were complaining kind of all day long about how tired we were of being sick all right well on and off <coughs> and then during the evening the lord started to speak to me <coughs> about where my focus was and it was on the sickness and not on the blood of jesus so i began to repent and he said go get your husband take communion and read some scriptures about the healing power of the blood of jesus so I did that, and um, I grabbed a book with a bunch of awesome prayers about putting on the armor of God, everything I could find on healing, and just, like, built up my faith again, my inner man, spoke truth back, and made declarations, and, and um, you know, just repented, too, of where my focus was, and just, I felt faith rise up. And um, we went to bed that night, and I don't normally sleep through the night. I get up several times. And I couldn't believe it. It was from 11 to 5. I slept through. I looked at the clock, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I've slept through the night. And it instantly, I start giving credit to something else. And I'm like, <gasps> forgive me, Lord. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the prayer, you know. And um I actually end up even falling back to sleep, and I started to hear a woman's voice out in the kitchen a few hours later, and um, I came out, and it was my neighbor um, and Randy and um, her little boy, and she said, oh my gosh, Trisha, you're not going to believe what just happened. Now, these are people of great faith. I mean, real faith. Her husband is, I've never seen anybody with the kind of faith he has. I mean, there, his mother just went through um, pneumonia. I mean, they basically were telli telling them that this was going to be the end, and he was like, no way. And he just stood on the blood of Jesus and taking communion with her, and she was released from the hospital at the end of the week. She's home and doing so much better. And um, so their dog started, apparently he hadn't eaten in a couple of days, and um, she said it looked like he had vertigo. He couldn't stand up. He kept tipping to the side and so they they said we don't have any money to take him to the animal hospital let's just pray over him so they prayed over him and the same thing happened the next day and he had to go to work and she called him and she's like cody's still not right he's tipped up he can't walk he's i don't know what to do and so he said take the dog over to randy and trisha and have them pray for them now here we are <laughs> if he had seen us yesterday and um so Randy prayed for the dog, and um, I could probably add more because I wasn't there, but he prayed for the dog, and the dog was instantly healed. He's walking around. We gave him some of our dog's food. He ate. He's totally back to normal. I mean, a complete miracle. And the Lord spoke to me and said, 
this could have happened easily for Rainier. I mean, he's a man of God. He's a man of faith. But the Lord saved that in his goodness for Randy to pray for him because he wanted to build his faith and he wanted to reward him. And I just thought, God, you're so good. You know, when we come to our senses, you know, like when we lift our eyes to heaven and have our sanity restored and get our focus back on the blood of Jesus, God's goodness comes through. So no matter what, I just want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're standing in faith for, and I mean, I know there's all kinds of awesome herbs and oils and supplements out there, but don't let that be your focus because you can get disappointed really fast. Let your focus be the blood of Jesus. It's more than enough. It's more than enough so good. to set you free from whatever it is that's plaguing you. Thank Absolutely. You, Absolutely. Thank you, Tricia. Thank you. All right. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Everybody stand up. And however long this takes to do, it takes to do it. And that's what we're going to do. Um, how many in here? Well, first of all, let me just say this. The you, you know you just got prophesied over, right? It says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So whenever you hear of Jesus, somebody giving testimony of what Jesus has done, you've just been prophesied over. So you have now the ability to receive. Now, how many in here have been dealing with sickness? Lift your hand up. Lift it up real high. Okay, quite a few people in here dealing with sickness. I don't care what it is, anything, anything at all. Just something that's been debilitating you. All right, now everybody look around. Look at the hands that are up. This is how we do things here. Because I'm not going to be the one praying. We are going to be the ones praying. Put your hand on a person who has their hand up. Now, if you have your hand up and somebody's touching you, you can put your hand down. That way we know we got everybody. Any hands still left up? We're good. All right. Now, here's how we do it. Just begin to declare healing and the absolute perfect power of the blood of Jesus over their life. Go ahead. Speak it out right now. Speak it out loud. In Jesus' name. The absolute perfect, restorative, healing power of Jesus that was shed in his blood that took care of sickness and sin and disease. It took care of all of it. We just declare right now in the name of Jesus, no more sickness. No more. No more of this flu. No more of these colds. No more sore throats. No more sinus infections. In Jesus' name, we're injecting right now the perfect work finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ right into your body right now in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Now, stay standing for a second. How many in here have family members that aren't here or friends that are sick? Put your hand up. All right. Do the same thing. Find somebody who has their hand up. Put your hand on them. And now we're going to be declaring healing for those who aren't in the room. Go ahead. Begin to speak it out loud. Just say it. In Jesus' name, all those who are gone, all those who are sick, all those who are held up because of flu, because of fever, because of any kind of sickness, right now in Jesus' name, be healed. We are not begging, we are enforcing. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we declare healing over bodies because there's no sickness in heaven. No sickness in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect finished work, the perfect finished work. Lord, we choose to have our minds line up with the reality, the superior reality of heaven, not the inferior reality of earth, in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. 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 Come on, just thank God for that. Amen. That was a good testimony. Thank you, Tricia, for that. I mean, I needed that. I needed to hear that. Does that help you guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good at complaining. I'm... I'm I don't think it's a spiritual gift, but I have that gift. I just don't think it's a spiritual gift. There's something that happens when we begin to shift the way we think and start thinking like God thinks. Did you say amen to that? It really is, Trisha used the word of repenting. That really is the heart of repentance. It's shifting the way you think. What repentance means, change your mind. So what are we changing it about? It's not about going into Publix and saying, I'm changing my mind, I'm repenting, and I'm not buying Colgate anymore, I'm buying Crest. (laughs) That's not repentance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about moving from an inferior reality of this earth and what we see as the normal operating system of this planet, shifting it from that to the heavenly reality because they're both realities, correct? 
we're not living in denial here. What we're doing is we're just denying sickness a place of influence. We're not denying that we're sick. We're just denying it a place of influence, and we're saying, I'm not going to live in the inferior reality. I'm going to live in the superior reality. There is perfect healing and salvation that has been afforded to us through the person of Jesus, and I don't want to miss out on one bit of it. I know there are times where I'm not experiencing and I have my soul has not awakened to the full reality of that yet, but I want my mind to be living from that superior reality, not from the inferior reality. Because I don't know about you guys, I live in the inferior reality. That doesn't work very well. And I am predisposed to be, not only is the glass half empty, but the glass is full of dirty water. (laughs) Anybody else like that? You you know where your mind can go, and it can go there very quickly. I don't like to live like that. I think it's good for us to come together and be reminded of that, but also give ourselves the opportunity to put it into action. We need to have the body of Christ coming together. We need to have people encouraging each other. So thank you, Trish, for that testimony. That was really, really good. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to good testimonies coming from this. So there's something about lining up with what God has said. It just does something changes things. So take your Bibles this morning, or your iPads, your iPhones, your isolation device of any type. <laughs> Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 1. I just want to encourage you this morning. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yeah. Well, if you don't like it, too bad you're getting encouraged anyway. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we're going to begin in verse 19. I want to give a preface to this, if I could. Um, Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth. We have it now in our Bibles as 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It was probably really more realistically three letters that have been condensed down into two, but either way, that's just a history lesson for you. Either way. Um, he's writing to the church, but you can catch his heart if you really pay attention as you read through both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you can really catch the apostolic father heart that's in Paul towards the church at Corinth. Because what he's wanting for them is for them to come into an alignment with what he has himself experienced in the person of Jesus. A lot of his letters are actually like this, but in, in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's having to bring some correction to some things that the church is doing wrong. But he's also pouring out his heart and saying, I really want you to catch this thing that I've caught in the person of Jesus. He says, later on in 2 Corinthians, he says this, I am concerned for you, lest as Eve was deceived, you would be drawn away from the simplicity that is Christ. Here's a church. Here's a group of believers who have gotten the gifts of the Spirit and are operating in them like wildfire. How many like to see the gifts flow? You like it? Word of knowledge, healing, faith, all that stuff. I like to see it. Well, this church is operating in them like crazy. Like across the, they're better than any other church. They're operating in this, but there's also a lot of things that are going wrong inside the church. So he's writing to them to say, this is really wonderful what's going on. But at the same time, guys, I'm concerned for you. I'm concerned that even though you can operate in in these gifts, that you're going to be deceived and be led away from this one thing, the simplicity of Jesus. Now, some versions have it say the simplicity and the devotion to Jesus. The challenge I have with that is that's not in the original manuscript. It just simply says, I'm concerned that you are drawn away from the simplicity of Christ. Now, you're hearing my heart this morning. Guys, it's all about Jesus. It's always going to come back to him. Without the existence of him, I cease to breathe. Now, I'm not just making that up. The Colossians tells me that. All things were created by him, for him, through him, and in him all things exist. In other words, everything that he does holds this planet together. It holds us. It keeps the thing spinning on its axis. It keeps us moving. It keeps the atmosphere where it is. It keeps us breathing. It keeps my heart beating. All that stuff, it happens because of one person, Jesus himself. Come on, doesn't that just move you to think about that? It does me. I don't ever want to get moved away from that simplicity. That is Jesus. It's unfortunate. Our Christian, especially our Western Christian society, has taken Jesus and reduced a person down to a principle. And then we pride ourselves on living in principle. Principles are great. I like what Bill Johnson says. He goes, they're great. They're like the guardrails on a ship. They'll keep you from falling off, but it's not what moves the ship through the water. 
there's power in the name of Jesus. Not just because it's his name, it's because of who he is. He can't divest himself from it. He can't divorce himself from it. It is who he is. He is power. It's always funny to me. I know words, semantics and stuff, but I hear sometimes people say, oh God, would you come in power? And I'm like, how can he not come in power? I mean, it's not like he's separate from it. He is power. He is. He's the very existence, everything. God, come in power. No, just come. I'll take everything you got. I want the whole nine yards, and I know you're not separate from that. He doesn't carry around a bag of trips like a tricks like in a backpack like we carry around and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring this one. It's who he is. It's his very nature. It's his very person. Are you with me this morning? The entire Godhead is revealed through creation itself. Yeah. All I'm saying is Jesus is awesome, and I don't ever want to lose sight of him. I think it's really good when we come back to agreeing with what he has said. And Paul, in his heart, re- writing to the Corinthians, he's saying this to them. In verse, ni- in verse 19 of chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, he says this, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanius and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was Yes. Come on, can somebody say amen to that right there? Why is that important? Because we want to reduce Christianity down to yes and no's. And he's saying, guys, it's not about yes and no's. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God that I came preaching and Sylvanius and Timothy preached to you guys, it was one giant green light. This is the kingdom of God. When you enter into the kingdom of God, it's one giant green light. Go. I'm around a lot of students when I teach at different schools, and I'm around a lot of students that are always asking, oh, I just want to know what God's perfect will for my, is for my life. I just want to know. I just want to get it right. Start moving. Start moving. I just want to know who I'm supposed to marry. I want to pick the right person. How about you pick a good one and bring Jesus with you? Just pick a good one. I don't know what school I'm going to go to, all these different schools and stuff. Pick a good one and take Jesus with you. It's not that difficult. So he says, it's not all about yes and no's. It's not about this is the right, this is the wrong. It's, the, it's go. Go. Isn't that the commandment that Jesus gave us? Go into all the world. I like what Philippians 3 says. It says, listen, go. The very thing that you've learned to be true about Jesus, I'm paraphrasing now. He says, the very thing you learned to be, see true about Jesus, go with that thing. And if anything you believe otherwise, even God will reveal it to you. In other words, even if I've got it wrong, in the middle of going... God will say, yes, you know what? I'll move you. I'll steer you. You guys know it's hard to move a car when it's not moving, right? Or steer a car when it's not moving. It's the same principle. Go. This gospel that Paul says, I came to you. I preached this thing. It's about the Son of God. It's about Jesus. And it's not about yes and no, yes and no. It's about yes. It's about yes. And he goes on to say this in verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now we like this. We're familiar with this passage, right? All the promises of God in him are yes and in him they're amen to the glory of God the Father, but we forget that last little part that says through us. I don't understand it. I will probably spend the rest of my natural born life trying to understand how it is that God so mystically invested himself into humanity. But he did. He absolutely did. You know you have the creator of the universe inside of you, right? Nate was talking about it this morning. You have that phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. (laughs) All of him invested into right here. Come on, is that good news? I'm not sure if you're awake this morning. In other words, it all was invested in Jesus because it says all things held together by him, for him, through him, and in him, they all exist. It was all invested into him. And then it says of God, it says Jesus came and he is now the father's yes to all humanity and he's invested him in us. Oh, that's good news. Here's the part that's hard to believe. You ready for this? It's not complete without our amen. To the glory of God, through us. In other words, he has invested himself into us. He's made himself vulnerable is what he's done. 
The entire Godhead has made themselves vulnerable by saying, I'm going to invest into humanity, knowing that humanity has all kinds of problems. Do we have problems? Yeah. All kinds of problems. Do we get things wrong all the time? Yeah. We mess things up. We start thinking like we shouldn't be thinking. We end up doing the wrong thing, right? But yet still, God takes himself and invests him into us so completely and so fully. Why? I don't know. I know this. In order for the Godhead to be revealed completely to the world, he has chosen not to do it on his own. He has chosen to do it through us. That blows me away. Uh, you feel the weight of that too? You feel the, the weight of that? I don't feel it like a, like a laborious kind of weight. I feel it like the intense responsibility. There's a responsibility to carry and represent the Godhead for who he really is. Which means then, if I'm reading this passage correctly, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. That means that when I get a hold of promises in this scripture, wherever you want to find them, and it's full of them. It's like what Trish was talking about. I can sit there and complain or I can go back to what does the blood of Jesus do? It heals, it restores. It's what communion is about, right? You hear us talk about that all the time. Communion is about saying, I'm putting full faith in the finished work of the cross. The body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I put full faith in it. And coming into agreement and saying, I'll say amen to that. I might encourage you the next time you're taking communion, maybe try that. Take the bread, take the wine, bring it together, take it, and as you do it, just say amen. What does amen mean? Let it be, so be it. Let it be. Even in that, do you feel the surrender? You feel the in, I feel the enormity of God and the smallness of who I am. doesn't mean I'm insignificant. I just feel the smallness of who I am, knowing that the God of the universe invests himself into me. And what he's really saying is, Andrew, by you coming along and saying amen to the promise, you get to reveal to the world around you how good I really am. Come on, isn't that good? It's just staggering to think about this. But we still live in a dualistic Western Greco-Roman society where we want to separate spirituality from other stuff. The sacred-secular split. Hey, church, listen. It doesn't exist except for in our minds. There is no such thing. You have the kingdom of God inside of you. Everywhere you go becomes a perfect health zone and an absolute freedom zone. Hello? Come on. Can I get an amen to that? Our agreement with heaven is the partnership that is designed for us. Let me put it this way. You're designed to co-create with God. What? He's the creator. I'm the creation. Yes, absolutely, and that will never change. But he has invested himself uh, into us so that we can come into agreement, say amen to what he is saying, and therefore reveal the fullness of the Godhead. If you don't believe me, look back at Genesis. How did it all start? God creates man, then he creates animals, and then he says to Adam, now you begin to name them, and whatever you call them to be, that's what they are. All of that was restored in the person of Jesus, you know, right? When Jesus came out of the grave, when you read in John's gospel, it says that Mary thought him to be a what? A gardener. A gardener. Hmm. Why a gardener? Because he was the last Adam. The first Adam was what? A gardener. And how did he garden? He gardened like his daddy did. I want beans. <laughs> I want okra. Anybody like okra? <laughs> okra. I like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I want Brussels sprouts right there. <laughs> Grow. You, you kitchen? Yeah, right? Yeah, I know. It's lunchtime. You guys, you guys can hear, hear what I'm saying with yeah. this, though. Right? Jesus, or, God puts Adam in a garden and says, tend it. He messes everything up. Jesus comes along, fixes everything, and the first thing he's seen is as a gardener. I don't know. I'm just saying there has, there's something to this person of Jesus fixing things and holding things together. I just think there might be something we should maybe investigate with that. It is heaven invading earth. 
Anybody ever seen heaven invade earth? Have you ever seen a miracle happen? We just heard a testimony about a dog getting healed. We have plenty of testimonies about people getting healed, right? What happened in that moment? At some point, somebody agreed with heaven. Somebody came along and said, I'll say amen. But that requires then that we don't live out of principle, we live out of presence. There's one thing I love about scripture is I like the, the tension that we find in it. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's all kinds of tension in scripture. Answer a fool according to his folly. Then immediately it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Which one is it? Yeah. Well, the only way to know is when you're living in presence and you know what to do in the right moment. If we reduce it down to a principle, we'll try to live and say, oh, we apply this here, we apply this here. Go, church, it doesn't work like that. There is an awareness that I don't know that I've discovered yet. I've had moments where I've discovered where I'm living in this awareness of what God is doing, where I feel like my heartbeat is beating with his. I feel like when I breathe in, he breathes in. When I breathe out, he breathes out. There's an awareness of that. And in the moment, there's the ability to make the declaration and say, God, I'm saying amen to that right there. And then all of a sudden, heaven invades earth. Come on, I hope this is exciting to you guys, encouraging to you. I don't think it's rocket science. I think we get out of the ability. We, we remove ourselves from the ability to see heaven invade earth when we reduce Christianity down to principles instead of presence. I'm just going to live like this. This is a good principle to live like. Okay, listen. There's no condemnation here. There's no judgment. If all you know what to do is start with principle, start with principle. But don't let it stay there. Because God is good. God is kind. Even in living in Christian principles, if we're paying attention, our minds can, are, can be moved to hear, to feel, to sense, to understand. Did you even know that the Hebrew word for understanding does not have anything to do with mental? It has to do with experiencing God through the five senses of the body. I understand God tangibly. I don't understand him intellectually. If I understand him intellectually, I've now reduced him down to an image that looks more like me instead of me being conformed to an image that looks like him. A God that exists in my intellect primarily can be stolen from me. Because somebody will come along with a really good argument at some point. That's why a man with an experience in God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. What I'm wanting to do is to bring this to more of a tangible, visceral, not head knowledge kind of thing. Because we can say all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God the Father through us. We can say that, but we can have a mental assent to it or we can meditate, come to find what it really feels like to have my heart beat with his, my breath breathe in and out with his to where I know what's supposed to happen in any given moment. And I'm not just living off of principles that I declare and speak out of my mouth. I'm living out of presence, and I know that when I speak it, it's going to happen. Have you ever experienced that? I've experienced it a couple of times in my life. Call it the gift of faith. Call it whatever you want. I've just experienced a couple of times, a few times in my life where I know whatever comes out of my mouth right now in this moment is going to happen. And I need to be very careful with what I say. Because I feel this cosmic, mystical connection that is, it's just, it's me and him. There's no separation. It's when my mind lines up with the reality that I cannot get any closer to him. Hello? Again, we still live in a dualistic Greco-Roman society that has him here, us here. It has sacred here, secular here. And he's like, don't you guys get it? I wrapped everything up in me. And when you stop living like that, you're actually going to start thinking like I'm thinking and you will be able to say yes and amen to the very thing that I'm saying to you. As a matter of fact, I'm whispering it in your ear all the time. My question is, are you really hearing it? Hmm. I really do believe that the world is waiting. They're waiting for a real true representation of the person of Jesus. And what we've offered has been terrible. It's been awful. 
what we're essentially offering to people is we're saying to them, if you will believe like I believe, behave like I behave, you will be a much better person because this is the way I am. <laughs> we spend a lot of time coming to church. I'm going to step on toes now. It's what I do. I do it really well. We spend a lot of time coming to even gatherings like this, the Sunday gathering, in order to learn a little bit more about the Bible, learn a little bit more about God. It satisfies our intellect, but it doesn't do a whole lot to change the condition of the heart. We are educated far beyond our obedience. Far, far beyond our obedience. We're educated. So good. We know the word, but our heart still isn't beaten with his yet. I'm not breathing in when he breathes in. I'm not breathing out when he breathes out. I'm not mourning when he's mourning. I'm not joyous when he's joyous. I hope you guys hear where I'm going with this. It's that connection that gives us the ability to bring heaven to earth, but it's not through a simple declaration. Even the declarations that we do up here with our offering, those things are pointless without faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. They're pointless without faith. They're nothing. As a matter of fact, I can take principles and have them fueled by fear. Christian principles can be fueled by fear, and because they're fueled by fear, they are demonic in nature. And they have no power, there's no efficacy in them to impart the kingdom of heaven into the earth because it's fueled by fear, it's not fueled by love. We've been talking a lot about that lately. We We spend a lot of time trying to learn more so we can go and do I'm just wondering how much would get done if we just stopped and were still and began to simply hear what he's hearing and say amen to that. I don't believe Jesus did what he did in offering of himself and bringing himself so fully into us so that we could just come together and have good church. Oh, the word was good this morning. Oh, the worship was good. You know, okay, great, really? How much more do I really know about him? And I'm not talking about my intellect. I'm talking about my knower. You know your righteousness does not exist in your intellect. You know that? If, I, if, I, if we, seem, we tend to think that if I could just learn more about God, learn a better doctrine, or learn more thoroughly this doctrine or that doctrine, we would be a little bit more righteous or something. Eh, it doesn't work that way. Romans 10 tells me you believe in your heart unto righteousness. And out of that you confess with your mouth unto salvation. I like that. I'm encouraged by that because there's a lot of things that I can believe about God in my heart that I cannot fully grasp in my head and understand it. And I'm really okay with that. I'm really okay with that. If I can find just one aspect of his character or nature and have it start to resonate in my heart, but I don't understand why or how that works, it doesn't matter. That will eventually come. It doesn't work like God to here down to here. It starts with God here Eventually, it moves up into my, to my intellect. That's what the renewed mind is. The renewed mind is coming into agreement and recognizing the superior reality that you started by believing it, didn't understand it, but I started walking in it, and I started to see. Here's how it works for me. I'll put it into a practical. There was a, a time in my life where I really thought healing was kind of like, well, it's God's choice. Well, of course it is. I don't need to hear that, but what I really hear in that, what I discovered, what I was saying was, I don't know, so therefore I won't do. But yet I have a direct command from my Savior. It says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make disciples, right? It didn't say when you feel like it. It didn't say when you understand it, then go do it. When I started to connect with this, I started to realize that every crutch, every walker, every cane, every wheelchair, every bit of sickness is an open target. It's open season. And when I started to step into it and started to pray for people when they're sick, I started to see that people were getting healed. And what was happening was my belief started changing. I wasn't approaching God from here to here. I was approaching from here. And all of a sudden I started to see, oh, he heals. Now there's still parts of it I don't understand because I'll pray for people and they don't get healed. But I refuse to build a theology based on what I don't see when he has told me to pray for the sick or, or heal the sick. He didn't say pray for the sick even. He said heal the sick. Come on, are you with me this morning? 
But there's something about it. I can't just live with the command itself. You know, even when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, do you know what he also said after that? He said, wait, don't go anywhere. Well, which one is it? He said, go into all the world and make disciples. But then he said, no, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere until you've received this power from on high. Acts 1.8, right? And I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. Hmm. There's, a whole, there's a whole wonderful little gem inside of that. I'm not going to take time to go into that. Other than this, to say this. We cannot operate like that, with that connection with God, without being made spiritually alive and having him inside of us, correct? That's why he said wait. He pours out his spirit. He pours it out on all flesh. Now we all have the ability to hear it. So there's no lack. And it says he gives the spirit without measure. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. So how many in here have the ability to really breathe in when God breathes in, breathe out when he breathes out, to, to feel what he... How many have that ability to do that? Everybody, every hand in the room should go up. I don't know how it works. I don't understand it completely. I just know that this is the way he's designed it for us to live. Look over with me at Romans chapter 12 for a moment. Again, this is another passage I own, but you can borrow whenever you want. It's mine. Romans 12. I beg you, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. That's a good word. Which is your reasonable service. Some translations say worship, which is really more accurate. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know that word approve there? I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it actually means? It's going to blow your mind. It means approve (laughs) it actually means that I I couldn't believe it it means to approve in other words but it's not approve from like I approve of that in my good judgment I approve of that that's not what he's talking about the word approve there means to examine and to say that it is authentic that's really what it means so here's what we're doing if we read Romans 12 too, it says this, and do not be conformed to the wor- this world. What were we talking about earlier? The inferior reality of this world has its own system of operation. And he says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. That word conform there, suskomitidzu in Greek, is the word where we get the word schematic. It means wiring, a diagram. If you open up that keyboard or something electronic, you're going to see something in there that shows how it's wired. It's a diagram. It's just called a schematic. And he's saying to us, I don't even want your synapses in your brain to fire the way that they normally fire according to this earth system. Hello, are you with me? I'm saying that if you will allow yourself to come into the superior reality with me, be okay with just resting and not striving and fighting and trying to prove, just stop that for a minute. Stop that whole spinning in the head and come back to thinking the way that I think. Remember he says his ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. If we come back to that superior thinking, even the word repent, repent, re means what? Again, pent means what? High place? Go back to the high place. If I go back to thinking like he thinks and live in that superior reality, then all of a sudden my mind starts to be renewed and then I can see the will of God, his perfect, pleasing, acceptable will of God. I can see it happening in the earth and I can come along and say, I approve. I approve. You see the difference? You can see the will of God then, and you can look at it and go, that's authentic. That there is authentic. How do, I don't know what you call them, what are professional artists that know how to tell if something is authentic or not? I don't know what you call them, art critics, I don't know what they are. I do know this about them. Whatever you call them, I know this about them that the way they determine a piece of art is authentic is only because they have spent so much time with the authentic painting that they know every little nuance of how, not just of the painting itself, they caught the character of the artist. They know why he used a brushstroke that went that direction. They knew he was right-handed or left-handed and why. Is this making sense? They could see it so much so that it wasn't just like, oh, it looks the same. 
they could look at it and go, no, that is actually the same. That is the authentic piece of art right there because I know this. I've studied it so much that I know the underst- and I understand the character and the nature of the person that actually did it. Isn't that cool? You know how tellers in banks identify counterfeit money? Yeah. All they do is study the real. They don't even spend time studying counterfeit. They don't care. All they do is handle the real thing so much so that when something weird comes along, they feel it immediately. What would that look like if we were a people that started to live in this place where we recognize that all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God the Father through me? That means now I'm living in a place of expectancy. I'm living in a place of going, I know that in order for the goodness of God, all of his promises, in order for them to be fully manifest inside of me and the people around me, I'm living with this expectancy. And I'm learning about him so much and I'm connected to him so much that when I see it, I can say, authentic, authentic. See, we're in the church. We get weirded out a lot by supernatural stuff when it happens in the church. We love it a lot in in the secular realm because we can watch it on our TVs and be like, ooh, ooh, like that. But as soon as you see something weird happen in the church, everybody gets suspicious. Why do we do that? I don't know if that's real or not. Well, if you were really connected to the real one, you might be able to know it a little easier. And if it's not real, why are you worried about it? Why are you so worried about it? Why are you so concerned? Well, that's just flesh right there, somebody acting up. People do that. Hello, you with me? Well, people, we do weird things. I get it. I'm not, in other words, I'm, I don't want to be the dedicated false identifying police. I want to be known as the ones that identify the truth. I want to know what's authentic. I want to know what's real and be able to look at it and not get it caught up in my own inferior thinking, but look at it and go, that's God right there. That's God right there. Have you ever seen something very strange happen when God shows up on people? Yeah, right? If you haven't, it might have been you. And it's easy for us to go, oh, I don't know if that's real or not. You know what? I don't know why we look for that. What if we just start looking for where God is, recognizing him so much that when we see it, we can just say, oh, that's so good. That's so good. How many of you know a lot of things happen in this planet that are not God designs? Right? They're not God designs. Sickness? We'll start with that one. That's not God. Right? Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't see anything about that attribute being put on God. As a matter of fact, whenever you see God doing that in the Old Covenant, hey, just keep in mind this. Whenever you see God doing that in the Old Covenant, and someday we'll break this down, there are multiple types of covenants that were in the Old Covenant. Different types of covenants. Vassal covenants, grant covenants, kinship covenants. There was all kind, and God was obligated to live with the covenant that the people wanted. Do you remember when God said, he came to the people, he came to Moses, and he said, I want to make this entire nation priests and kings. And they all said initially, yeah, I'm all in. We're all about that. Then Moses goes up on the mountain, thunder, lightning, all that stuff. And all of a sudden, the people change their mind and say, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want that anymore. We want Moses to talk to God, and you tell us what he says. They changed the covenant. God did not want that covenant with them. They changed the covenant with God. And God will honor the covenant. So God had to give them what they asked for, and that covenant brought death and destruction. Hello? Hello? All I'm saying is you can't take the nature of God and put natural circumstances on him. I don't know why people do this. Why does God allow babies to die? Where do you get that? Where in God's name do you get that? That's what Satan does. That's not what God does. As a matter of fact, he's put us in a position to see that change. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. I was talking to some students um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were, they were asking questions about, well, how do you do that? I mean, how do you, you know, I want to be able to raise the dead. How do you do that? And I'm like, well, it's pretty simple. You've got to be around dead people. <laughs> I mean, really, it's not that difficult, is it? 
I don't know. I just, in my life, I'm, I want to be in the middle of all that, and I don't want to chalk things up to the sovereignty of God just because I don't understand it and give myself a hall pass to check out and be passive. <coughs> Hello? <coughs> Using the sovereignty of God as a passive, I can check out and I can just, well, God's sovereign? Well, of course he is. And yes, I don't know all things he knows. I get that. I get, I'll give him credit for knowing that stuff. I, I can do that. But at the same time, I cannot deny the fact that he has invested himself into me and he has said that all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. Amen to the glory of God the Father through us. In other words, he has made it that we are co-heirs with Christ. We understand that, right? That's biblical. We're co-heirs with Christ. In other words, he completes himself by moving through us. I don't get it, and I don't understand it, but that's how it works. We like passages like 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, those things which are prepared for those who love him. We just don't know, and then we just don't read the verse after it. Which says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god when i'm talking about this kind of yes and amen with god guys i hope you're tracking with me this morning i'm not talking about just simply reading it owning it here starting to speak it i'm talking about saying this thing has gotten so connected with me inside here that i need to be careful with the very thing that i say i remember that happened to me a number of years ago we had moved here we started over a family of five literally starting our lives over Lost everything in the move. We were down, hurting for money, needed to pay rent. My wife and I did a prayer walk. We walked out of the driveway, started walking down the street, and I felt it at that moment. If It's like I knew, call it faith, call it whatever you want. I knew that whatever was happening in that moment, I could feel God. I, could, I was so connected with him in that moment right there that I knew that whatever I speak right now in this moment is going to happen. I knew it, I just, I knew it, I could feel it. I don't know how to describe it other than I felt the fear of the Lord. I felt the joy of the Lord. I felt incredibly powerful in that moment. And as I walked past the mailbox, I said, I want, want $5,000 in that mailbox by tomorrow. Amen. The next day I went and got the mail. You know how much was in there? Not 5000 5400 Why the extra 400 I don't know, Jehovah's sneaky, I don't know. I, I knew at that moment, I knew if I said ping pong balls fall out of the sky, they would fall out of the sky. <laughs> it was that kind of fear of the Lord, that kind of connection with him. But all I know is in that moment, I let my mind be renewed. In that moment, that very moment, I held on to that. I meditated on to that, on that. For, an, in, for a long period of time, for a few days, I meditated on the fact that I can simply make declaration when I'm connected with what God is doing in the moment. And as soon as I say amen to that, it's going to happen. Is this making sense? But it's not just the declaration itself. I, what I was meditating on was not the fact of what happened there. I was meditating on that sense that I had inside. I tell people this oftentimes. If ever you pray for somebody and they get miraculously healed in the moment, pay very, very close attention to what the temperature was in the room, what you were feeling, what was going on around you. Because God speaks through that stuff. Remember, understanding is not something that we get right here. Understanding is meant to be something that is experienced through the senses. And God uses our five senses to speak. Hello? Those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern, Hebrew says. I don't know about you. I want to be a person that doesn't live just by the Christian principle that says, if I say this, this will happen. Or if I, don't, if I move over here and do this, or if I pray for someone with this formula, or something, I don't want to d- live like that. I want to live with that constant awareness that I can feel God every moment. And I don't know about you, but I slip in and out of it. You guys are with me, right? There are times where I get so spinning in this inferior reality that I lose track of what's happening in the superior reality. But if I still my soul long enough, if I sit there, here's what I'll do sometimes. I'll wake up in the morning, and I will lay there in bed and breathe. And just say, okay, God, everything about this has to come back to you. Everything about this. I have to stop my mind from going into, oh, I need to get up and do this this morning. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I keep my phone by my bed. It's very dangerous to go. Immediately start, pick it up. Yeah, I'm not the only one, am I? In order to live like this, I don't think it's something we have to perform in order to get. I think it's something we have to stop doing. I think it's something of just simply stilling the soul, coming back to an alignment of saying, in you, 
I live and breathe and move, and move, and in you I have my very being. And I pause and wait and breathe, breathe in, breathe out. Lord, what are you thinking right now? What are you doing right now in this moment? And I don't always get it right, but I want to I train myself to come into that place of recognizing that this is where it's at right here. And when I get to that point, it's no longer just the thing that I'm saying. I'm actually partnering with God in releasing what he wants to happen in the earth. Everybody stand up with me here. I'm going to end right here. Does this help to maybe see this passage just even a little bit different? To see, oh, God, yeah, you feel good. Mm, hold your hands out here. Oh, yes, 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 the lover of my soul. Yeah, just everything right now, you're pushing everything out. Lunch will be there. It's not going anywhere. Pushing everything else right now. All you're simply saying at this point is saying, God, I need right now that wonderful embrace of you. Jesus, Jesus, glorious Jesus, glorious Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It's you. It's just you. Mm. We might as well get used to this, church. What started in the garden with a marriage ends in eternity with a marriage. We might as well get used to it. Just living in that intimacy with him. And I'm challenging you. I'm just saying whatever it looks like. I'm not going to give you formulas. I'm just going to say, put yourself in a position today where you're saying, Lord, I want to hear your heartbeat. I want to, I want to, I want to feel him breathing. I want to feel his temperature of his person. I mean, does this sound weird? I'm just saying there's, there's something about connection and intimacy we're designed for, so I want to feel him all over my body so that I can just sit, know in a moment to say, I'll say amen to that. I'll say amen to that. And the glory of God gets released through me when I do it. So Father, I'm praying for all of us that we would not live as a people based on principles, but we would live as a people based on presence. That ongoing life-giving presence, the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the everything in between, the fullness of salvation manifested inside of my life that I can impart it to a world around us. Lord, I'm praying that we all grab this. Lord, just speak to us in that kind, wonderful way that you do, and we choose to listen. And everybody choose to listen, say amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 